streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. And welcome in. Lake Kick is live. It is Sunday night, January 17th, the year of our Lord, 2021. I'm looking at the live chat. And Braden, insane, just uh, suggested that begging for likes is the coward's way out. Well, you can consider me curled up in the fetal position in the corner right here because I am begging you, pleading with you, please like the video and subscribe to the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel if you haven't already. And find the podcast. And again, I want to reiterate and I want to emphasize, I am begging you to do that. Thank you in advance. We got a jam-packed show tonight. I have been made aware of the fact that I teased something last Sunday or maybe the Thursday before that we were going to do, and we just never did it. I mean, that we had some stuff happen. We had some breaking news. And so it just kind of got pushed down the road. Luckily, it's evergreen which is a really, really, it's a not so fancy industry way of saying it's still relevant today. So I'm going to lead the show with that tonight. And it's fun. It's entertaining for all, unless you were one of the unfortunate few who made these predictions. We're not going to mention anyone by name. That's not how we roll around here. I'm also back by popular demand, reinstituting the mood tracker tonight. And we're going to hit three programs. And over the course of the next month and a half or so, hopefully leading up to spring football, we're going to be doing the mood tracker and we're going to be hitting a lot of programs. Now, I, there are some programs that I'm going to hit that I'm just kind of trying to pump the brakes on right now because there's still a lot happening, i.e. Texas. I'd love to get a full coaching staff out there before we hit the mood tracker. Oregon, love to get a defensive coordinator in place before we do the mood tracker. Speaking of which, we're watching that Oregon defensive coordinator situation Nothing yet. As of the last hour, uh, nothing happened in the defensive coordinator search at LSU. So we're still keeping an eye on that. A lot of coaching changes still happening. We kind of started to hint to you in November, the coaching search calendar, the uh, that whole deal was going to be pushed well into 2021 and it's happening. And also, you know, if you were to place bets the other night, I could have sworn to you that we were going to be leading the show tonight with Tennessee. I mean, I was certain that we would at least have heard something regarding Jeremy Pruitt that had changed from last Thursday to today. Well, we haven't heard anything. Very fluid. Very fluid. That's why we, Director Colin and I were kind of having to do the outline of the show, not in pen, which some of you claim I never use during the show. It's just a prop, but I do use it. Not in pen, though. We're, we're planning the shows in very light pencil so that we can erase in a moment's notice. And so I think we got a really good show tonight. It certainly does fit the parameters of being jam-packed. So let's dive in, shall we? Appreciate you watching. Uh, don't doubt Nick Saban. Now, that's my general rule of thumb. When we have our Zoom consultation sessions and people are looking to break into the business, one of the main rules I give you is just don't doubt Nick Saban. It's one of the easiest lessons that I've learned in my career in sports media. Don't get proven wrong by his success. That's been my philosophy. Anytime you cover Alabama and cover college football in general, don't get proven wrong by one of the greatest of all time succeeding. If you predict him to succeed and he fails every now and then, that's great. But don't try and be the guy who sits there in Mobile and predicts it's going to snow every day or lives in Tallahassee and predicts it's going to snow every day. Yeah, I mean, it has happened before. So eventually it will snow in Mobile. Eventually you'll get a little trace once every decade in Tallahassee. But by and large, 
It ain't snowing there. By and large, Nick Saban's not losing a whole lot, and Alabama's not falling off. And here's a true story. So I started doing sports talk radio in Columbus, Georgia, back uh, after like the 2010, going into the 2011 season. And I, I've tracked all my picks. I'm not going to bore you with those. But I go back and I look at my Alabama log. And twice since 2000, I don't think I've told you this, Colin, twice since 2011, I've predicted Alabama to lose a football game. And I'm 2-0. and I haven't predicted all their losses, but I'm 2-0 and on predicting losses. One of them was actually when they were a 14-point favorite. It was when they played Manziel in Tuscaloosa in 20. 20- 12. They went on to win the championship that year, but they lost. It was the week after a brutal LSU game. Uh, Manziel and AM were surging. And so you remember that game. And then last year's Iron Bowl, uh, that was Mac Jones stepping in for an injured Tua Tonga Vailoa. Bama's only favored by three in that game. Those are the only two games I've predicted them to lose in the last decade. So I don't pick against them very often. So how many of these traps have you fallen into? Let me just ask. Whether you work in this industry, whether you're just a fan, everyone has their opinion. Everyone makes predictions either publicly or privately amongst yourselves. Tell me how many of these traps you've fallen into over the years. Because I had someone suggest to me after the national championship game, this last one that they won, boy, look at how many people have predicted the demise of Alabama football over the years. And really what it is is Not a whole lot of people have done it. It's just when anyone does predict it, it gets shouted into 10 different megaphones and everyone puts it on the front page of their website. We do it at 24-7 Sports too because it gets a lot of attention. Sometimes it's intellectually bankrupt because people are saying it strictly to get attention, but I do wholeheartedly believe that a lot of these opinions that have been offered, people really do believe them. They're just dead wrong about them. So tell me how many of these traps you've fallen into. The first trap was a little while ago. It was when a couple of mobile quarterbacks made Nick Saban's defense look foolish. Spoiler alert, they made the entire sport look foolish. Johnny Manziel was one of them. Nick Marshall, uh, the following year in 2013 with Auburn, that was the eventual kick six game. Like Alabama lost there. And then a couple of years later, Chad Kelly and Ole Miss, they came into Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama. And that was the second year in a row Ole Miss had beaten Alabama. And remember, it was kind of a mixture of the hurry-up-no-huddle, mobile quarterbacks, the infusion of RPO offenses. That was what was going to spell the demise because it had neutralized what Alabama's specialty was. And that was size and depth and physicality defensively. The game's changed. Nick Saban back in 2009, he won a national championship this way. Hey, look around. Doesn't look like he's going to be able to do it that way anymore. Well, the problem here, friends, is that two of the years I just mentioned, keep in mind, the entire context is, oh, this is going to be the downfall of Alabama. They won the title two of those years. The Johnny Manziel year, they won the title. The Chad Kelly Ole Miss year, they won the title. There was no downfall. There was no demise. Now, I'll grant you that it had become really boring for some to keep predicting Alabama to win. And so everyone was trying to be the first. They had they wanted their voice remembered as the first that predicted the downfall of Alabama. Well, it was a trap. Hashtag it's a trap. What about trap number two? Maybe you didn't fall into that one. Maybe you did fall into this one. This one's more recent. This is the one I was going to talk about the other night. There's a big difference in a team and a program. A team's just one-year sample size. A program is a three- and four-year given sample size. Alabama versus Clemson, 2018 National Championship game, Santa Clara, California. Alabama goes out there, they're favored, they get steamrolled, just smoked, 44-16. to I was there. That was a boring night, let me tell you. So afterwards, there's a lot of talk. And this was overwhelming. There was a lot, I would say a majority of the headlines I saw after this game 
had to do with something along the lines of there being a new number one coach in college football and or there being a new number one program in college football. Now, I thought that was sort of laughable at the time. Uh, I didn't, I wasn't really vocal about it. I talked about it on the show where we were just doing it locally in Columbus at the time. I talked about it at that point, but I didn't want it to sound like I was some Clemson hater or I wanted to rain on the parade because they deserved, Clemson deserved all the accolades they were getting. But what I didn't think anyone deserved was to be touted as being a superior program at that point to Alabama. Anyone in the sport deserved to be touted as a superior head coach to Nick Saban only because they at Alabama were on chapter 20 of their story. At Clemson, they were on like chapter two of their story. So it's it's the fact that Alabama was dealing with stuff at that point in their, you know, kind of career arc of Nick Saban at Alabama that you had no chance to have dealt with yet. You hadn't even had to deal with the consequences of long-term success. Clemson had already won a title and they already played for at that point three of them. So they won two out of the first three. But yet when you look at already being a decade in and a lot of the stuff that Nick Saban's dealt with and where they are in their program's tenure versus where you are, you haven't even had an opportunity to have some of the problems, some of the consequences of success present themselves in your program like he's had to deal with. I mean, the internal dynamics on that Bama team in 2018 sucked. They were just bad. They were still talented enough that they made it all the way to the title game. You want to get someone turned off at Alabama? Ask them about some behind-the-scenes stuff in 2018. So my point's not to make an excuse. My point is, that's a team that just happened to make it to the title game. There was a lot of transition going on behind the scenes there. But my point is, now we get two, three years. What is it, two years? Yeah. So we get two years now to look back. And we look at where the programs are. Clemson's still a very good program. Alabama's still the best program in the sport. They never weren't the best program in the sport. Nick Saban's still the number one coach in the sport. He never wasn't the number one coach in the sport. It takes a lot more to change my personal perception on a program and a coach's stature than one season. I got told a long time ago, well, I guess I kind of got told in another way, and I made up the analogy because that's the way my mind works. Uh, The difference between, I've talked about this on the show before, the difference between the speed of water and the speed of honey. Now, you can change your opinion in a season of a team week to week because you only get 12 versions of them in a regular season. But your opinion of a program, your opinion of a coach, those don't need to move week to week. And so I always make it analogous to putting a drop of honey on one plate drop of honey on one plate and then a drop of water on another plate and then turn those plates sideways. And it takes that honey a long time to run off. Well, the water just drips right off. Think Malcolm in Jurassic Park. Water just drips right off. Honey doesn't. That's how quick your opinion of the stature of a coach or a program should move. But because we needed some clicks out there, because we needed to generate some attention, and because we just wanted to sound like a genius and the smartest guy and girl in the room, we said... Dabo Swinney has surpassed Nick Saban. Clemson has surpassed Alabama. Well, no, it hadn't. So that was trap number two. Now, what about trap number three? Trap number three is very recent. Trap number three, we were already at 24-7 Sports doing this show by the time trap door number three opened. Director Colin, do you remember where you were? February 24th, 2021. We were just about to start Late Kick. We were in production meetings, and we were putting the show together. Colin and I probably did some dry runs that day, but the next week, We got hit by a tornado, and we started Late Kick. Fun diary entry. That was when Scott Cochran left Alabama to go to Georgia. And so this really put to the ultimate test, 
how close you were to the program. You got a lot of people that cover this sport from a 50,000 foot perspective, and they are not in the weeds. Uh, They are not on message boards every day. They don't interact with the college football public every day. And if you're of that ilk, then you looked at this, and this is where you saw those headlines. Biggest blow to Nick Saban so far. You know, he's got Jeff Allen, the trainer who's been there since the beginning, and he had Scott Cochran, who had been there since the beginning, and the strength and conditioning coach. A lot of people, this is not a knock on Cochran, it's a knock on anyone who thought this. A lot of people thought Scott Cochran was actually a key ingredient in the secret sauce that made Alabama football what it was. And that was never the case. He he contributed just like any other person in the organization contributes. You wouldn't be there if you weren't. But, uh, you know, since then you've learned, nah, man, it's Nick Saban. He can overturn his entire staff and still win a title. But when Cochran left, and this is only, this is less than a year ago, there were headlines out there. There were very prominent, otherwise very sharp people who covered this sport who looked and said, this is the biggest blow so far that you've seen. This is the surest sign that the foundation there is cracking. If you knew the behind the scenes at Alabama, and granted, not everyone does. I get that. It's a very hard place to get information out of. But if you followed the day-to-day at Alabama, then whereas a lot of other people met that news with a yell, you met it with a yawn because you knew changes were already coming anyway. Nick Saban had not been happy with the strength and conditioning process and results at Alabama for a couple of years now. And he was already moving in a different direction. I'm not telling you he was going to jettison Scott Cochran. Scott Cochran was still going to be there. There were going to be personnel changes made already. Now, you also probably knew, if you were close to the program, you knew that Scott Cochran had tried to get an on-field job no less than twice in subsequent years and was denied. That's a guy who wanted an on-field role. He saw the industry. He saw the strength and conditioning and sports science portions of this industry changing. And he knew he did not specialize in the areas that this sport is going towards. He knew that. He's not stupid. He knows good and well. So he wanted to get himself a new role. He wanted to get an on-field special teams role. And so, you know, it's kind of mutual parting of ways, but Alabama looked as good as they've ever looked this year. From an injury standpoint, they were as good as they've been in a long time this year. Make no mistake about it. Not only was it not a crack in the foundation, not only was it the biggest blow that's been dealt to Alabama since Saban's been there, It was a definitive upgrade, just like we sat here on the very first episode of Late Kick and told you it would be for Alabama. And for the record, we also said it's going to be an upgrade for Georgia, too. And uh, some people laughed at that. Well, I haven't talked to those people in a while. However, I think we've been pretty vindicated on that thought. So you had trapdoor one, trapdoor two, trapdoor three. Don't fall down any of those trapdoors. I'm just telling you in the future, if you're thinking about making a bold proclamation about the downfall of Alabama football, don't. Just don't. That's not a party worth trying to be the first person at. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. 
It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. Uh, Meanwhile, the Mood Tracker is back. A lot of you have asked for the Mood Tracker, and for obvious reasons, when we got into bowl season... It didn't make sense to start the mood tracker back at that point. So I told you uh, via private correspondence, I answer the DMs, I answer the emails. And so I said, just wait to the end of the year. So some programs, I feel comfortable calling it a year on. Others are still in transition, coaching transition and whatnot. So I'm not comfortable there yet. Uh, Eventually, we'll get around to all the big programs, hopefully before spring starts. We got a little time to do that. But the mood tracker... Uh, for those of you who are new to the program, and a lot of you have joined in the last few months, what we do with the Mood Tracker is we just kind of try and take the middle 80% of the fan base and we try and gauge the temperature. What is the collective mood right now towards the program? So the Mood Tracker starts with Ohio State this evening. And the Mood Tracker for Ohio State right now, it's a pretty good time to be a Buckeye fan, even after last week. It's kind of like the rich kid at the carnival. Back in Columbus, where I grew up, well, I grew up in Harris County, just south of us in Columbus, Georgia, not Ohio, uh, you'd have the Greater Columbus Fair every year. So I grew up with a group of kids. We would get taken to the fair every year. There was one kid who was a little more well-off financially, his family situation, than the rest of us. Uh, You got a certain amount of money. And when you go, we go play the basketball games where the rims are extra, extra tight and extra, extra small. And it's really hard. And so most of us, we would, uh, we would just flame out, and then we had to step to the side. Well, your rich friend doesn't have to because your rich friend's parents just want to get him out of the house, and they sent him out with no less than 75 or 100 bucks in his pocket to spend at the carnival. And so he just gets to keep shooting and shooting and shooting. And finally, he walks away you know, with several stuffed animals that really aren't worth the price of admission to begin with, but his self-esteem is buoyed because he eventually made a shot. Well, he doesn't understand he only made it and got all those prizes because he got to keep shooting. Well, on the flip side, it's nice to be able to keep shooting. And that's exactly where Ohio State is in the Big Ten and in the overall landscape of college football right now. Uh, They are an A-plus pretty much everywhere. Every category that you have to check, every box you have to check to gauge uh, long-term sustainability, they check them all. So they're going to be there. They're going to be the rich kid at the carnival, and they just get to keep shooting. Now, there is some bad news, okay? The bad news is... They just got blown out in a national championship game, 52-24. That wasn't fun. Uh, They will not end up winning a title with Justin Fields at quarterback. You could call that a failure if you want to. I mean, they were there. They put themselves in position. They didn't end up winning one. You never know, you know, if you look back on this last game, you never know if you had all your missing starters. You never know what kind of difference it would have made in the game. And so that's kind of a what if like the old, the old if Colt wouldn't have gotten hurt for Texas in 09, that's always going to be there. And, hey, it's a major shot to your pride to take a beat down like that on the biggest stage the sport has to offer. So that's the bad news. The good news is you get unlimited shots. This isn't a situation where you built towards 2020 for like three years, and once this heralded senior class departs, oh, man, it's going to be a while before we ever get to that spot again. This is Ohio State. So now let's talk about the good news. You're the rich kid. You get to shoot every single time. You get to shoot for the title every single year. Ryan Day is here to stay. Ryan Day had some NFL overtures, and he was very succinct and direct in shooting all that down and saying, I have no interest. I'm going to be at Ohio State. It's very nice to have an elite head coach and to also not ever have to feel like you're fearing him leaving. Number one, 
because there's not a job more elite than Ohio State. He's not going to leave for another college job. And it doesn't really sound like he's all that into the idea of going to the NFL right now. And he's young. So you got him for a long time. Elite recruiting classes continue to stack on top of each other at Ohio State. So the most the most precious commodity being a talent roster, you're going to have an A-plus talent roster every year. And they've got an elite culture there. I would cite how they acted even after beating Clemson as Exhibit 1A. And also, they've got very few obstacles during the season. In the Big Ten, who's stepping up? I'm going to talk more about that in a second. So there are zero issues with complacency. It's not like this group has won a national title with Ryan Day as head coach. So you're, you're not have to worry about the complacency. You don't have uh, multiple hurdles to clear every year in the Big Ten. You're going to have the talent. You're going to have the head coach. You just keep shooting every single year. Eventually, they're going to drain one or two or three. I'm not going to go LeBron on you and count off all the future titles, but they're going to be in position every year. And the primary focus, this is what the shift has been like. The primary focus at Ohio State, and for an Ohio State fan, it's no longer Michigan or anything in the Big Ten, really. It's transcended which conference they play in, sort of like it has for Clemson. Clemson's main focus, and this sounded crazy if I told you this in 2001 or two, Clemson's not worried about Miami or Florida State. They go into every year with their focus the same place Ohio State's focus is now, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. That's where the focus is. It's almost like you've erased the conference boundaries because no one scares you in your own conference. You're competing at a national level, and you're competing the same way as you will on the recruiting trail. It'll be on the football field. You're competing with, well, it was Clemson, and you just got over that hump. You're competing with the University of Alabama. So that's the mood at Ohio State right now. How about Georgia? How about Georgia, Director Colin? We were just looking at Justin Fields there. So um, I'm not going to revisit that. That's, that's a sore subject. The Mood Tracker at Georgia. I had a hard time nailing this one down. There are a few different ways that you can go. So here's where I went. I went with the slam the hood mode. I think we've used this one one other time. Slam the hood mode is basically, you know, if you've been working on car repairs, if you've had the hood up and you thought you had it fixed and then you got to give it another crank, then you got to give it another turn of, the, turn of the wrench here and then you think you got it fixed and then, oh man, we still got a clicking noise over here. That feeling when you finally got everything fixed and you know you're good to go and it sounds good, when you finally slam the hood and you're done with the repairs, that's the feeling right now amongst most Georgia fans that I've spoken with even as recently as today. See, Kirby Smart gets hired in 2016 and I thought for my money, he stepped into one of the most advantageous positions a new head coach could ever step into. Mark Richt had left a really good culture there. There were no NCAA issues hanging over Georgia. He left a really solid roster there. It was so solid that in Smart's second year, a lot of those guys that he inherited had him playing for a national championship. So he stepped into a really good spot. It wasn't a perfect spot. Like They were not ready to go toe-to-toe year in and year out with Alabama quite yet. But they were already good enough to be competitive. But he steps in and he secures the infrastructure. He cast the vision. He built his coaching staff. You know, he built the recruiting machine there and he built the talent roster. So, you know, you wanted him to have immediate success, but a lot of Georgia fans also understood how to play the long game. And so you look a little ways down the road and you know, we got to have better infrastructure. He's got to get the answer yes to all the yeses that Nick Saban gets at Alabama if we're ever going to compete with Alabama. And we got to build the the staff. We got to have a world-class staff. We got to have a world-class recruiting machine. We've got to either match or exceed what they're doing at Alabama. 
and Clemson, Ohio State, the few big boys. And then we got to build this talent roster and keep doing it every year. Well, they've done all that now. Okay, so you ask, well, if they've done that now, why haven't you been happy? Why haven't you slammed the hood? Well, the quarterback position is why. To this point, the hood had not been closed at the University of Georgia yet. But then there's a guy who comes in and his name's Jamie Newman. And then there's a guy who walks out and his name is Jamie Newman. And you never get to find out what he was going to do at Georgia. But then there's this other guy named JT Daniels. You remember, we talked about him a lot in the offseason. And then finally he gets his time at Georgia and performed very admirably down the stretch. And he performs well enough to where you finally feel comfortable that as you're looking 2021 and moving forward, you can slam the hood shut. Every box has been checked. Daniels returns. You're going to have by far, by 10 miles, the most talented piece at quarterback that you will have ever entered a season with under Kirby Smart at Georgia. You also have several other key pieces returning. The recruiting infrastructure, like I talked about, is in place. Both, as of this moment, both of your coordinators and your head coach and your quarterback will be returning. For the record, you know, I know this is broad strokes. Those are the same boxes Nick Saban just checked. Now, it was, a, it was the COVID year, so it was the most advantageous position ever to be in and the best time to ever return everybody. Well, any, any year is a good time to return those key pieces. So Georgia's got that. They got that quarterback box checked. I'll tell you what else they could have checked. And I understand if someone's still skeptical on this, but they, they very well could have one of the best collections of receiver talent in America next year. And unlike years past, because they've never lacked for receiver talent, it may not have been world-class, but unlike years past, they're in a position to leverage it. They're in a position to finally feature it. And so a lot of names, the, the last time you really heard of them, if you're an Oklahoma State fan or a Michigan State fan, some of this receiver talent Georgia's got on campus that the last time you heard about was when they were being recruited. If you follow recruiting, now you finally get to hear about him on a national stage week in and week out because they're leveraging it properly. That's how you feel if you're a Georgia fan. So that's good for Kirby Smart, but it also leaves no wiggle room for Kirby Smart because really, if you think about it, like if, if Georgia doesn't succeed at the highest levels of the sport moving forward, I'm not quite sure what you're looking at and saying, oh, oh, oh here, here's the one box that we haven't checked yet. It's all checked. Like it's there to be had. And I'm not, I'm not doing this, let's build up a ton of hype for a team in mid-January. We got plenty of time for that. But I do that I really do think that's the sentiment amongst a lot of Georgia fans. Like, if it's not now, then uh, what more can you do? Well, what you can do is you can keep checking those boxes every year and keep swinging every single year. That's what you can do. Uh, finally, and this one's a little off the radar. I don't think you guys thought that we were going to go this direction, but I find what's happening right now in Columbia, South Carolina, just fascinating. And I know a lot of you have been preoccupied with your own programs, so you may not be fully aware of what's happening there. Well, let me take you down the road of what's been happening at Carolina right quick. So the Mood Tracker at South Carolina, if you've missed it, you know Shane Beamer. Well, maybe you don't. So Shane Beamer was hired as the head coach there. And there's, a, there's an analogy we use frequently on the show that I'm going to use to describe the Mood Tracker for South Carolina. And that is still trying to nail Jello to the wall. The thing about trying to nail Jello to the wall is you're an idiot if you're trying it. So keep this metaphorical. But if you ever try to nail Jello to a wall... It doesn't matter how right you are. It doesn't matter about the precision, about the placement, about the execution and your form. It doesn't matter because it's jello. So the substance will not allow it to stick to whatever you're trying to nail it to. And South Carolina fans, 
I was over on the big spur on the message board there today, and I was interacting with you guys. That thread is like five or six pages deep right now. And all I did was I went on the big spur, which is our 24-7 Sports Carolina website and message board. Um, Check it out if you haven't already, especially if you're a Carolina fan. I went on there and I said, hey, I'm talking about this tonight. How do you guys feel? Like if I were to ask you a word or a phrase, describe your mood towards the Carolina program right now, I kind of got mixed reactions. And here's the reason. Uh, On one hand... There was a huge groundswell of support to hire Shane Beamer away from Oklahoma. They wanted one of their own because there was a lot of disdain. And as, as much as they loved the idea of bringing in Shane Beamer, it was kind of juxtaposed to how much they loathed in the latter days of his tenure, Will Muschamp. So you got him. And so he comes in and they wanted one of their own. They got one of their own. They land him. The next chapter in this story might as well be written in Portuguese because it gets really, really complicated. You got to understand, like I said, they love Shane Beamer. They love the hire there. And they loathed Will Muschamp. Well, here's the catch-22. Beamer initially decided to keep some of Will Muschamp's pieces. So he was going to keep Mike Bobo, for example, as offensive coordinator. Uh, You know, Tracy Rocker was a Will Muschamp hire. So you're going to initially keep him, but then they exit And they head to Auburn, for example, or, uh, you know, Drew Hughes, player personnel type. He leaves for Texas. Well, here's the reaction. The reaction is the guy I love, if I'm a a Carolina fan, uh, Shane Beamer over here, the guy I love, it was his choice. And if if he had his way, he was going to keep these guys. But yet I cannot stand Will Muschamp. And I, as a result, want to pressure wash any sign, any semblance, any stink of Will Muschamp off of this program. And so if it means us losing some of the coaches that were his coaches in the process and some of the personnel pieces that he had here in the process, even if it means we're losing guys that Beamer wanted to keep around. You know what? If we're going to start near ground zero, if we're going to start close to scratch, let's go ahead and suck it up. Let's bite the bullet and let's start from absolute scratch and let's have 100% new flavor in here. That's how a lot of folks at Carolina feel right now. And you know what? It may be that in the immediacy, oh no, it cost you a win this year. Let's just say it cost you landing a four-star tight end on the recruiting trail this year. I, I don't know. Like maybe it cost you Gunnar Stockton, for example, the five-star quarterback that has since decommitted. Even if that's the case, the mood amongst a lot of Carolina fans is that's fine. Because if we got to get rid of them in order to make this program 100% Shane Beamers, then so be it. We'll do it. So there's cautious optimism. Uh, There's also the willingness, I think, right now to accept the idea of a rebuild only because it was going to have to happen anyway. You know, and it's like the the foundation sucks. So let's not try and rebuild. Let's not even keep the frame of the house. Let's just completely blowtorch everything and let's build a firm foundation. Whatever the record is in year one, that's fine. As long as we can look around. If I'm a Gamecock fan, this is how I'm feeling right now. As long as I can look around at the end of year one and I can see at least a foundation has been poured that I feel confident we can build on, I'm good. If that means five and seven, if it means six and six, or it means seven and five, whatever. Uh, The foundation is a lot more important than the record in year one. And then in year two, if I see it start to take shape a little bit more, if I see tangible progress Maybe not result-oriented, but process-oriented in nature. I'm cool. What I don't want to do is just twist in the wind every year, and every year is isolated in and of itself, and there's really no cohesion. There's really no direction. You can't look back 2021, 22, 23, and year over year, see a progression towards something that you're building towards. That's not where I want to go back to. So I just want to see progression towards something. 
something I can look forward to, whether it's in 2023 or 2025, whatever. Please, I've twisted in the wind long enough. Just give me, just build towards something. And that's the mood tracker. So I'm listening. I'm taking suggestions from you guys, which programs you want us to hit. Now, eventually I'm going to hit them all, but I do play favorites here. So wherever you want us to go next, you hit me up at Josh on Twitter. Follow me there anyway. We talk a lot. We converse amongst ourselves a lot. Also, I got some, I got a couple of open sessions, Zoom sessions over the next week and a half for anyone interested in getting into this kind of field or starting your own YouTube channel, don't quite know how, want some feedback on your work, whatever the case may be. Got a couple of them. They are probably not going to last much past tonight or maybe tomorrow. So if you're listening to the replay, hit me up, joshpate706 at gmail.com or on Twitter at LateKickJosh. I'll see if I can get you in there. Until next time, for Director Colin, for Producer Jordan on the podcast side of things, remember we are not live again until Thursday night, so we're shifting towards our off-season schedule now, Sunday night, Thursday night, but we will have the two editions of the Late Kick Extra podcast on Tuesday and Thursday morning, so stay tuned for that. For everyone else here, I'm Josh Pate. Thanks so much for watching on a busy Sunday night. Have a great start to your week, and God bless.